welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Hey everybody, Pastor Michael here. I'm so glad you've joined us today here at Long Hill Chapel Online. And today we begin a brand new series that's a look at the life and the story of a character named Jonah. And some of you hear that word and you say, oh, Jonah, that's that story about the guy who got swallowed by the whale or the fish. But it's also a real story. And it's a story that's not only in the Bible, it's a story that reflects us as we live out a version of it in our own lives. Because I believe that Jonah's story is our story. You know, you're going to hear this story over the next few weeks, and you're going to say, well, duh, like, why did he do those things? Why did he respond that way? Why did he go there? Why did he act like that? But what I want us to do, instead of remembering the way that maybe we heard it when we were kids, I want us to reflect on how it affects and it reminds us of us. And say, instead of why did he do that? Say, why do I do those kind of things? Why do we do those kind of things? And so we're gonna pick right up in Jonah chapter one and beginning at verse one. And the story goes like this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us. Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? Because they knew that he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah replied, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. But instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. Then they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And now the Lord provided a huge fish to follow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We're beginning today a series called Running. 
You know, I had a period in my younger years where I took up running, and some of you have done this on and off, and some of you have stuck with it. Good for you if you've been one of those people who has done that. But regardless of our experience with actual running, regardless of our experience that way, you and I are naturally good at running when it comes to our spiritual lives. And we're especially good at running in the opposite direction of wherever it is that God is calling us. The reason for it is simple. The call of God on your life and the call of God on my life very often involves something we really don't want to do. It involves something that if we had a choice in the matter, we would not do that thing. And you see this throughout the scriptures. You see it in your own life. I certainly see it in my life. God calls us to something, and it's very often something that's not on our list of things that we'd really like to be doing. And so every day, I believe that God is inviting us to follow him. He's inviting you, and he's inviting me, and he calls to us. But when he does that, when he calls to us, it's very often in the direction of things we don't really want to do or things we really don't want to face. He calls us to take steps of faith, and a step of faith is when you take a step out of where you're certain and you know how things are going to work. It's a step when you are now out of control and you were in control before, and none of us really like to do that. God calls us to face things down in ourselves that we avoid and we explain away and we make excuses and we push back onto other people and we run from. God calls us to confront injustice, brokenness in our world. He calls us figuratively and literally to get our hands dirty. He calls us to give, to serve, to sacrifice, to go, to be generous people. He calls us to spend time with people that we don't see eye to eye with. He calls us to confront our pride. He calls you and I to stop hedging our bets and commit ourselves to the thing we know he keeps calling us to do. And so he calls us in so many big ways and small ways to hard things. But the reason he calls us to hard things is not because God is some sort of masochist and just likes to see us in difficulty. It's because the hard things in your life and the hard things in my life, those things are the game changers. Those are the things where the way of God breaks into the status quo of our lives and it breaks into the status quo of our world. They're the things that if we will lean in, we will see tremendous change, but it calls us away from a place where we're comfortable and a place and it calls us to a place where if we had the choice, we would not walk that path very often. And so when it comes to these things and others like them, we suddenly have incredible stamina. We have incredible agility, motivation to run and to keep running in the opposite direction of whatever God is calling us to, just like Jonah. In a sense, it's like we are saying, you know, God, show me your will. Show me your way. Just make sure it's not that thing over there or those things or that person or that issue or that thing within myself. I am happy to follow you, God, and happy to do anything so long as it's not on this list of hard things. And so this isn't just a Sunday school story or a Bible story. This is our story. So what I want to do is I want to run through the highlights of this very first chapter, chapter one of the story of Jonah. 
This book, if you look in your Bible and you're familiar with how your Bible is laid out, this is found among what we call the prophetic books or the books of prophecy, the minor prophets. And the reason for that is because Jonah is a prophet. He's like the other prophets. He's like names like Isaiah and Jeremiah and other prophets like that who spoke to the people. And really what a prophet's job was, was to receive the word of the Lord, a message from God, so to speak, and then declare it to a people. And Jonah's unique amongst the prophets, and very often we don't think of him as one of them because it seems like he missed out on what the job description really entailed. I don't know if you've ever gotten into something, it's a job or something, some task that someone asks you to help them with, and as you get into it, you discover there's a whole lot of things involved that you never were made aware of, or you never understood, or you just never really had figured out what it was actually going to take. This feels like that because Jonah is a prophet, but it doesn't seem like he wants to do what prophets do. And the role of a prophet was to receive a word from the Lord and deliver it to the people. And this was not a popular job. Prophets were not popular people. Anytime, and we actually see this in the scriptures, a prophet shows up. There are very few people who just applaud and cheer. And they're like, yay, this is so great. A prophet's here. Because typically prophets were d- delivering unpopular and difficult messages to the people. And we see that so often in the stories of the Old Testament. And in essence, what God does so often with the prophets is he says, go to these people. They're not going to like what you have to say. They're not going to like you. They're going to resist you. They're not going to do anything that you tell them to do. And so prophets were almost always opposed. They were often oppressed. There was incredible personal and professional risk. And so Jonah starts out, and it starts out like the story of any other prophet. He says, arise, get up, and go to Nineveh and preach against it. And the only part of the call that Jonah gets right is that very first word, arise. He gets up, he arises. But then it says in verse 3 that Jonah ran away from the Lord. Another translation says like this, he rose to flee from the presence of the Lord to Tarshish. Now, Tarshish, if you look on a map, is as far in the opposite direction as where God had called Jonah to go to Nineveh. So Jonah's actually not too far away from Nineveh. It's, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a distance, but it's not a super long distance. But when we look at where Tarshish is, Tarshish is over on the other side of the sea. It's a long distance in precisely the opposite direction. It's about as far away as you could go. And at this point, the original audience, the Jewish audience that this was written to, they would have begun to chuckle because their understanding of God was this, that there was no way that you could escape. You could run away from the presence of God. So Jonah's running, and he's going in the opposite direction. And not only is he going in the opposite direction, he's trying to get out of the presence of God, but it's just something that cannot be done. One of the writers in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 139, he says this about God. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light 
to you. And really what he's saying is, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter how well you think you have hidden, you cannot get yourself out of the presence of God. You know what this is like? Some of you have little kids or you've seen this. This is like when a little kid is playing hide and seek and they hide from you, but they just don't hide very well. You can still see parts of them sticking out. You know, they're hidden behind a lamp or something like that. My younger son, Jonathan, we, we play peekaboo a lot of times. And in our bathroom, he'll hide behind the towels and he thinks no one can see him, but there's just all sorts of parts. There's legs and arms. You can totally see my son behind the towel. And then he comes out and he surprises us and he says peekaboo and it's the cutest thing, but it's like us trying to hide from God. It's like that. It just doesn't work. We're not nearly as well hidden as we think we are. And no matter where you run or where you have run or how far away you have run, God is there. Later on in the story, we discover why Jonah runs in the opposite direction. And the first part of it seems a little bit obvious. Being a prophet was not a great job. It was a hard job. It was a very risky job. And Nineveh, the city that God has called him to go preach against, was this large, powerful city. It's found in modern-day Iraq in the Middle East, but they were known for their power and for their cruelty. And so there was this great chance that it wasn't going to go well, and so perhaps Jonah was afraid. But there's more to it than that. Jonah wasn't just afraid of the people of Nineveh and what might happen to him. In a sense, he was afraid of what God was going to do. The Ninevites were not a well-loved people in Jonah's time. And so it was really easy to hate them, to not like them, to want bad things to happen to them. But Jonah had been a prophet for long enough, and he'd been around long enough to know what God was constantly in the habit of doing, what God was a sucker for, and it was to show mercy and to forgive. And so in a sense, and we see this later in the story, Jonah doesn't want to go because he just has this sense that when he goes, God is going to show mercy to the Ninevites and he's going to forgive them. And what we want and what Jonah wanted is we want God to take the side, to take our side against our enemies or adversaries or the people that we think oppose us. We're looking for an ally on our side. And sometimes I think we're afraid that God will see our adversaries, our enemies differently than they do and show them something that we don't want to show them, which is mercy and grace and forgiveness. And so with all this in mind, Jonah runs. He first heads down to Joppa, which is a port city, and then he boards a ship headed in the opposite direction to Tarshish. But then a violent storm comes up. It says, God raises a storm. And it was such a storm that the ship was about to break up. The sailors who were sailing the ship, they were not novices. They were professionals. So they weren't afraid of storms. But this was the kind of storm that even cast terror into the hearts of professional sailors. And none of them follow God, Yahweh God, the God of the Bible. They all had their own gods. And so they begin to cry out to their gods, except for one person. Jonah, who is asleep in the bottom of the ship. Jonah is asleep. The very person God had called to represent him, to speak for him, is asleep. And this is so much of a metaphor for us. And unfortunately, it's sometimes a metaphor for the church, for the people of God. God has so often called us to something 
and we run in the opposite direction. And then there's people who are left in the moment, and they're calling out, looking for God, looking for a God. And the people that God has placed there, you and I, are so often nowhere to be found. But then there's this interesting thing that happens in the story. The roles are reversed. And one of these non-believing pagans calls out to Jonah. The captain of the ship goes down and he finds Jonah asleep and he rebukes him. He admonishes him. He says, get up and pray to your God. One of the things we learn here, we discover, is that God so often will use voices that we never thought that he could to speak to us, to point us in the right direction. But the story's not over the seas. They get rougher. And so all the people, uh, the sailors on the ship, do what was common practice in the ancient times. They cast lots, which is just a lot like drawing straws. And it's something that would happen in antiquity when people were trying to figure out which god or which deity was responsible for whatever it is that was happening. And the lot falls to Jonah. And finally, Jonah responds. The one who was there, who had been called as a prophet to speak for God, he finally speaks. And he says, in essence, throw me overboard and the seas will calm. And this was quite literally a death sentence. Basically, what he's saying is he's saying, I would rather die than go do the thing that God has called me to do. I would rather die. And some of you who are watching and listening to this, there's something that you subtly in your heart or in your mind or in your soul, you know that God is calling you. He's whispering to you. He's whispering you to go make that thing right. He's whispering to face that thing within yourself. He's whispering you to take that incredible step of faith in a completely different direction. And whether it's figuratively or literally, there's part of us that would rather do anything but that. We would rather just give up than go do that thing. And so the men in the story, rather than throw Jonah overboard initially, they they try to keep on rowing. And to get this, this is amazing in verse 14. It says, then they cried out to the Lord, the God of Jonah. They cried out to the Lord. These people who are pagans, who don't believe in God, start praying to God. Listen to what it says in verse 14. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And so this is an amazing twist in the story. Because Jonah has done literally everything wrong. And yet these people come to faith, some measure of faith in God. Jonah is running away. He's sleeping in the bottom of the ship. He is not speaking up. He's not speaking on behalf of God. And yet God still uses him and he uses the circumstances to bring people to himself. And this, folks, is incredibly good news for me. 
And it's incredibly good news for us because there are so many times I have completely missed it. I've messed up. I've screwed up. I haven't followed God. I haven't been obedient. I haven't spoken up. I haven't acted. I haven't stepped out in faith. I've gone in the opposite direction. I've made excuses. I've had a justification. I've had a reason. But whatever the reason is, I have not gone in the direction of God. And the same is true for so many of you. But God can still work. The working out of God's plan, it's not dependent on my goodness, your goodness, or my lack of goodness, or your lack of goodness. And you and I, some of us looking at things in our lives where we wish we could go back and we could do them over or do them differently, it's a relief. It's something that we can receive because God is still at work and his will will not be thwarted by our goodness or our lack of goodness. It will not be thwarted by our lack of effort. It will not be made better by our effort. We have an opportunity to find the blessing of God when we join him in what we do, but God is still God. And so even if you've run or if you're still running, the will of God will still be worked out. And the chapter closes in verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And that's like the cliffhanger ending where you know there's another episode of the story coming next week, and we'll pick up the story again next week. But as we close, I want to highlight a few things that we see in Jonah's story, but we also see in our story. The first one is this, running from God is something that we all struggle with. And we struggle with it on the outside, but I think the place we especially struggle with it is on the inside. And so some of you, you're watching, you're listening, you come to church, you do Christian things, so you're you're present in your body, but spiritually, you're running in the opposite direction, you're far. And the way we do this so often is we run away from being the people of God in the ways and in the places that God is calling us to stand up to speak, to act, to be present, to risk, to take a step of faith, but to move in his direction. And so what we have the chance to do is recognize that this is something that is common to all of us. It's not just you. To receive the grace that God offers us, to realize that even when we've run, God's will will still be accomplished, but then to turn in a new direction. And I want to make this personal for some of you. You know, God has given some of you gifts. He's given you passions. He's given you abilities, you know, and maybe it hasn't worked out, or maybe it seems like there's an obstacle to be overcome, or maybe there's some place he's calling you to grow or to stretch, and it just seems difficult, and you've you've turned away from it, and you've given it up. Maybe you felt opposed, or you felt some opposition, or you were hurt. Maybe it seems like you're in a difficult place. Maybe you're a little afraid of what God might lead you into if you walk with him in his direction. And so you've been running from it. But the thing we see in the store and the thing that's true in our lives is we can't outrun God, and God will continually remind you subtly and sometimes like the storm that came up and literally pinned this ship, and this man who is running in the opposite direction in place, who reminds you of the thing that he's called you to. Running from God is something that all of us struggle with, 
The second thing is this, and this applies to all of us. Even if you're not a person of faith, this is something that you can take away from this. Your decisions, our decisions always impact the people around us in ways that we don't fully appreciate or anticipate. You know, Jonah makes this decision to run from God, and he thinks it's his decision, but it ends up having this incredible effect on the sailors and all the people on the ship, the people who depended on that trade for their livelihood. And we deceive ourselves often thinking that our running only affects us, but it affects the people we run to and run with, and it also affects the people that we run away from from. Our decisions create consequences for the people around us. There is just no such thing as a decision that affects me and me alone. And so you're running. It may be on the inside. It may seem internal. It may even be secret that nobody knows about. But the decisions that you make around that have an impact in the lives of people around us. But here's the good news. Even with that, The fact that we all struggle with running from God, that our decisions that we've made as we run, they have an impact that extends beyond us. The good news is this, God is still at work despite our running. He's still at work despite our failures. He's still at work despite the places that we have gone in the opposite direction as far and as hard and as fast as we can. And God still works. He will work with us and he will work in spite of us. But God will continue to work and his will will be done. And so as we close, what am I asking you to do today? It's simple, but it's deeply profound. And it's this, stop running. Stop running. Some of us have been running so long that we've forgotten how not to. Some of us think we've gone so far that there's no way we could turn back, no way we could make up the time. And this is where understanding who God is in these moments is so critically important because God meets you right at the step where you turn around. There's a word we have in our faith and in Christianity. It's called repentance, and it literally means to turn 180 degrees in a new direction. So stop running and turn in a new direction. There's this place in your life where you have been saying to God, nope, nope. You know, there's a lot of things I'll do for you, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to stretch in that way. I'm not going to turn inward. I'm not going to face that thing within me. I'm going to continue to try to keep things going and keep them happening. But you know that they're not, and the pieces are falling around you. And more than that, you are missing out on the blessing that God has for your life if you will but turn around. And so I ask you today to stop running the place where you've been giving God your no. Instead, give him your yes. Turn from Tarshish and turn back towards Nineveh. But as you walk that road to that place, in that circumstance that seems too big, that seems too much, know that God is with you. He's called you and you can stop running. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for our time today. And we all run in the opposite direction of you. We're really good at it. There's some things you've called us to do, and they're, they're not things we especially want to do. But they're things that if we do them, we'll see your hand at work. They're those game-changing moments in our lives. 
and you call us to turn around, but you don't call us to face it on our own. Your presence is right there with us, and no matter how long and how hard and how far we've run, you are right there in the moment that we do. So I pray that you'd make it personal for all of those who are watching and listening, wherever they are, wherever they find themselves. Would they turn around? Would they know your presence and then your peace? And would you walk with them as they turn back towards the place and towards the thing that you have been calling them to? And would they see your hand at work as they begin to do it? Would your spirit work in our hearts? Would we know truly what we are being called to do as we stop running? We thank you for your word. We thank you for your time to this time together. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net or on social media at LHCNJ. And we'll be back next week with another sermon. Until then, have a great week and God bless.